welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. We've been in a sermon series entitled Resilience. If you've been with us over the last several weeks, then you're already on board and rolling with us in that. And we've been looking at resilience as something that is different or stands a little bit um, uh, in a different light than something like uh, endurance or perseverance. So a lot of times when Paul especially is writing letters to the church and many times in scripture um, uh, in the Old Testament with Proverbs and with Psalms, the idea of being able to endure and to persevere is something that is frequently highlighted. And that has to do a lot with our ability to deal with challenges and difficulties and pressure and to kind of bear up under the weight of it. Perseverance has the ability or the demonstration of moving forward in spite of those types of things. But we've been talking about resilience on that other side, that as you endure, as you persevere, that you come in the journey to places of respite where you are kind of restored and you are returned to your person. And then as you kind of ultimately move through that challenge or that difficulty, you come to a place of rest on the other side. And resiliency is the ability for you to go through those things on the other side, become your whole self again. Rather than to remain kind of jagged and broken and a little bit depleted because of that, there's a recovery of your whole self. And with that in mind, resiliency, last week we talked about the role that rest plays in it uh, and the way that God has designed that and woven that into even just kind of the fabric and the rhythms of creation. This morning we're going to talk about how resiliency is something that requires us to be uh, future forward in our thoughts. That instead of getting bogged down in the moment or in the season or in the issue of life that we're trying to kind of navigate, that resiliency draws our eyes up and off of our circumstances and out, not even to the, just the end of what we're enduring or the challenge being resolved. It draws our eyes out further than that into the things that God is doing and kind of this lifelong draw into the things of God's plans and purposes for us. Uh, If you have been part of our church family for the last year, you would know that uh, in November, I had a pretty traumatic physical injury. I tore my Achilles tendon straight in half, had surgery on December 2nd, and some of you have already forgotten about it because I'm doing okay, right? Like I'm walking mostly without a limp. You're not uh, watching me uh, deal with fatigue or anything else. And so some of you are just like, until I said, man, I was infirmed. Do you remember that? You were like, oh, yeah, but tell, I remember it, right? Because I'm literally still dealing with the after effects of that. And part of my journey, part of my recovery physically has been to go to a physical therapist. And that's something that I've had to do consistently. And physical therapy is these, these moments where you go in and this person just kind of ruins your day, but has the long term in mind. There's this need to endure and persevere the hardship of the activity but there's kind of this rhythm to it that you're gonna stay at it consistently and in the end, you're gonna recover your whole self. And uh, endurance and perseverance is needed for the initial individual kind of moments. And 
One of the things that I had to begin doing, and if you've been in a weird conversation where I started bouncing and it looked like I had to go to the bathroom or I was disinterested in you and I was kind of doing this, this is literally just something that I'm supposed to do intermittently all the time for the rest of my life until they tell me that I don't have to do it anymore. And it's just called a heel lift. And so there's times where I'll be in conversations with our pastors or staff here or leaders. I'll be out in the community just talking to somebody in Walmart, and then all of a sudden, Pastor Ben's just kind of bouncing. And again, I'm not disinterested. I don't have to go potty. I'm just trying to make sure that I'm maintaining what I'm supposed to do. Because initially, when they gave me that assignment, I came in one week, and my physical therapist asked me, said, hey, how's your, how's your heel raises going? And I was like, man, I'm killing it. Like, I'm ripping out 30 or 40 at a time. And he raised his eyebrows, and he was like, really? Because the assignment was to do sets of 10. The assignment was to do sets of 10 consistently with space in between, and that I was supposed to uh, do it with my knees locked to get full, uh, to get full extension on the calf because I've got to rebuild that whole muscle. Um, we're moving towards short season, and I'm doing so with a little bit of trepidation because you guys are going to be like, hey, that guy's got a little leg. Uh, I'm working on it, right? I've got, a, I've got a big leg and a little leg. I'm working on it. I look like a fiddler crab only with legs. Um, but, but, but I'm working towards it. And so he had said, okay, let, let me see, because I was feeling pretty good about myself, ripping out 30, 40 at a time. And so I just started kind of doing my, my heel lifts. And I was doing them kind of. And he said, I don't know if you can see what I can see, but after about five or six, you can't get your heel up as high as the rest. And the longer you go, the, the shorter it is that you get your heel up off the floor. And in fact, by the time you're doing the end, you're just kind of barely rocking up a little bit, and you're not actually helping yourself at all. I was enduring, and I was persevering. I was grinding it out, but I was doing so to such a degree that I was fatigued, and I was actually not helping build the muscle. In fact, I was only focusing on a small part of the calf, and because I wasn't getting full extension and because I wasn't doing it with like the proper technique, I was actually making it so my growth and my healing process was, was being inhibited by my practice. Resiliency in that process means that you, that you go through your heel raises with the right technique, the proper hold, and then you just get done. And you take a little bit of time for the muscle to recover, and then you go back. And it's that through that process that Ben will have two big legs at the end of it, not a big leg, little leg. And for that type of kind of intention and discipline to be something I walk through, I have to have future forward gaze. I have to be thinking about the end, not just the next meeting where I come in and say, man, I'm doing great, I'm ripping off 30 at a time where it's something that I have to think about the long term. And for you and I, when we're dealing with difficulties and challenges, when you're going through times of refinement or maturity in the things of God, when, when we are kind of in that grind, we have a tendency to lose sight of our future hope as it, it, it gets swallowed by our difficulties. It gets overwhelmed by what we're doing in the moment. And maybe it's not even pressed by difficulty or problems. Sometimes we just get so focused on that piece, that moment, that we're ripping out 30, but we're not really getting anywhere because we're not focused on the right thing. For you and I, the challenges and difficulties of this world, if, if we don't develop resiliency, they, they will slowly wear us out. 
And maybe you've said that. Maybe you've said that out loud. Man, my heart, my mind, my soul, I'm weary. Maybe you've said something like this, man, I don't know who I am anymore. I feel lost. Those are all things that are indicative of our inner person just being worn and worn and grinded and grinded. And you may still have faith. You may be able to declare who God is and what he's going to do. And you may be trying to grind it out. I'm going to endure. I'm going to persevere. But if you don't develop the resilience, you'll just slowly wear out. And we lose our resolve and we lose oftentimes our very selves in that process. We have to be future forward in our gaze and our thoughts and what we're looking to if we're going to be resilient. We're going to talk about that this morning. If you've got your Bible, I'm going to go ahead and invite you to get that out. If you've got your smartphone or your tablet, if you would open up your Bible app, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians in just a moment. Lord, we pause in this moment and we ask that you would draw our hearts to your word. Lord, that you would draw our eyes to your word. Lord, that there would be a receptivity in us to receive what you would have for us. Lord, that you would attune the ears of our heart and our mind and soul to what you would speak to us. And Lord, that we would um, accept the invitation of your spirit to take steps forward in the things that you would do in and through our lives. Lord, we want to be resilient, not just to have endurance, not just perseverance, Lord, but we want to be resilient, that as we deal with life's difficulties and challenges and as we continue to move forward in you and the things that you have designed for our life, that there would be a wholeness and a maturity to our person as we do so in Jesus' name, amen. If your Bible's out, if you would go ahead and open up to 2 Corinthians, we're going to start in verse, uh, or in chapter 1, in just a little bit. But one of the reasons why we're going to be unpacking this letter is because uh, the Apostle Paul is arguably the most easily recognizable example of resilience in the New Testament. That if you were going to talk about somebody who could endure and persevere and then demonstrate resiliency, who could deal with hardship after hardship, challenge after challenge, but then come out on the other side still whole, still healthy, still moving fully into the things that God had for him, Paul is the easiest one for us to see and recognize in that. In fact, uh, this last week, as classes at Northeastern Junior College were wrapping up, I was invited to be a guest lecturer for a class that's offered there called New Testament. And as I began to just kind of unpack with the class a little bit of, of, of what did you learn and kind of what stood out to you, what is something that is a takeaway for you, there was one student that raised their hand, and for them, the, the thing that immediately jumped out at that question was Paul. They said, man, like, Paul stood out to me, the, the Apostle Paul, because the Apostle Paul, he just, he just didn't stop. He just, he just kept going. She's like, he was beat up. He was thrown in prison. He was persecuted. He was run out of town. He was shipwrecked, like, over and over and over. There was challenge and there was difficulty, and he just kept going. And it's important for us to even recognize the scope of what that looked like because for you and I, when we think of the apostles' lives, we have a tendency to shorten it into the span of however long it took us to read that letter or that part of the scripture. But if you were somebody who was a a student of the New Testament, you would know that that Paul's mission, Paul's church planting, Paul's leadership development, that activity, he did that for over three decades 30 years of consistent, 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 enduring, persevering resilience 
We're at the end of it, like uh, many people, when they come to the end of those types of challenging seasons, they're less of themselves, but you don't see that of Paul at the end. In fact, Paul is more confident, more excited, charging further into the things that God, he was so resilient after 30 years of challenges and hardship. He's the, he's the most easily recognizable person of resilience in the New Testament. And then in this letter, particularly in 2 Corinthians, he's already sent a letter to this church to encourage some correction and redirection on the way that they were doing church life. And now in 2 Corinthians, it's a letter back to them. And one of the interesting things about it is he focuses over and over and over on his hardships and his difficulties. In fact, later on in chapter 11, and we're going to look at a few verses for this, he actually lists a whole litany of them out and what they, looks, what they look like. But he opens his letter with this statement that says, praise be to God, and then he begins to move into addressing his challenges. I'm gonna read the first several verses of 2 Corinthians. This is not gonna be up on the screen. I wanna encourage you to read along in your Bible if you have it with you. But this is how he begins this letter. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. This is how his letter begins. His letter begins with an acknowledgement of challenges and difficulties. His letter begins with this idea of troubles and pressing circumstances. And it begins with a celebration of those things and a shout out to God that he's going to bring comfort and he's going to demonstrate his compassion. And as you begin to move through the rest of the book, he, uh, uh, or the, the letter, he continually casts back to this idea of troubles and challenges. He continually makes a statement that says that we're going to continue to be uh, determined, that we're not going to be moved, and we're going to see a few of those things. But as you move through, when you get to chapter 11, he actually lists out a partial list of the hardships that he had endured just up to this point. He wasn't even done living. It wasn't the last letter that he wrote. He still had hardships out in front of him. But the list in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23, this, I want you to think about your week. Did you have a, a, a good week or a bad week? If you had a bad week, compare it to this list. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. You might raise your hand and say, but pastor, you don't know where I work, and I probably was in the paper this week, but we're going to keep moving. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Math students, that's 39 lashes. Very good. You're with me. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst. I have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concerns for all the churches. And this is just a partial list of what he gives us. 
In his first letter to the church in Corinthians, uh, or in, in Corinth, he uh, makes reference to having had to fight animals within the Colosseum, that that was a part of his experience, and that was before this letter that came with the rest of this list. Paul was easily through this letter acknowledging, man, hardship after hardship, challenge after challenge, and any one of those things on that list is often enough to derail us. And even if we've got kind of the grit and the faith to endure and persevere, on the other side of it, we're jaded and we're broken and we're critical. There's a part of us often that is lost through the process of enduring and persevering because there hasn't been a resiliency that has been developed in us, an ability to retain and remain our whole person, to find in that kind of the, that respite on the other side the opportunity for the Lord to do something new in us. And when you look at Paul, this list it can be compared to a number of others in some of the uh, letters that he sends to the church. He endured crazy 30 years of challenges. And at the end of it, he was pumped about the Lord, pumped about Jesus, pumped about the church, pumped about people. And for so many of us, part of our story is church hurt, people hurt, disappointment in the Lord. How was Paul able to be so resilient in comparison to a lot of our experiences? He was constantly getting his eyes off of his situation. And it's too easy for us in church to say, well, and then he put his eyes on Jesus, right? And then we like to go to the Hebrews passage that says to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's good. It's, it's healthy. It's, it's solid. It's true. But more than that, Paul had an eye on the future of what God was doing. He was constantly future forward in his thoughts. It was never done. God was never over. It was never out of reach. There was constantly this move further and deeper into the things of God and moving and advancing the kingdom of God and just wanting to be a part of it. It was where he chose to fix his gaze, his attention, uh, where he determined to focus his heart and his mind. I think that was so helpful in developing resilience in Paul. And this morning, I want to give you three places that just from this letter, we see that demonstrated. It's not an exhaustive list. You could certainly find more if you studied his life and if you made your way through the New Testament. There's tons of applicable places that remind us to stop looking at our stuff, looking at our things, looking at our problems, and to focus our eyes and our attention on the right things. But when it comes to long-term, long-lasting resiliency, health, wholeness, and maturity for you to be a man of God and a woman of God, these things will go far in helping you move forward into those. It, we started in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and he starts to celebrate this idea of dealing with troubles. And then he moves, uh, just a few verses over, he moves to drawing our attention to something specific. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 20, as Paul's still building out this idea of celebrating his troubles, he makes this statement, verse 20 and 21 of chapter 1. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are what? Say it again. Yes. Okay, not maybe. Not, you know, once you've got yourself figured out. Not, I'm waiting on you to get it right. 
Paul makes a pretty declarative, faith-filled statement for no matter how many promises God has made, any promise of God, any promise God has made is what? Yes, in Christ. And through him, the amen, amen means let it be so, let it be done, I agree with that. Yes, shout out, hallelujah, right? Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you, what? Stand firm. Endure, persevere, resiliency, this idea of being unmoved, unshakable. Paul knew how to fix his eyes on the promises of God. Resiliency requires, requires us to be future forward, and part of that discipline means that I am going to keep my eyes on God's promises. I'm going to keep my eyes on God's promises. And you can see this through the life of Paul, whether you're reading Acts or whether you're getting this through his letters and his own narrative pieces. Like he was constantly being drawn to, this is what God has said. This is what God has said. This is what God has said. And if God has spoken it, if God has promised it, it's yes and amen. It's yes and it's going to happen. You can take it to the bank. You can lean all of your weight on it. Keep your eyes on God's promises. Like, friends, that's why it's so important for you to know the Word of God. That's, so, that's, that's the reason why it's so important for you to develop an ear to, to pray. Not just to complain in prayer, which is what many of us do, pastor included, but to begin to listen and to hear the response of the Lord and to hear Him speak through His Word. Because if I know what God has said, if I know what His promise is, then I know it's yes, and it's going to come to pass in my life. Yeah, but pastor, what if, what if I'm still waiting on it? The promises of God are yes, and amen in Christ Jesus. Yeah, but what, what if it's a long time coming? The promises of God are yes, and amen in Christ Jesus. The psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 145, second part of verse 13. This is the declaration. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises, and faithful in all he does. The Lord is trustworthy in all of his promises and faithful in all that he does. Well, what if I don't feel that way? It's not talking about your feelings. The Lord is trustworthy in all his promises. Yeah, but what if it's in a long time coming? The Lord is trustworthy in all of his promises, faithful in all that he does. Well, what if it's, what if it's not the way that I wanted it to be? The Lord is trustworthy See, Paul was drawn to the promises of God. And when we are drawn to the promises of God, the particular of our challenges, the particular of our circumstances become less important and less cumbersome to our hearts and to our minds and our souls. Man, it doesn't look like this is ever going to end. The Lord is faithful to his promises. He's trustworthy in his promises. He's faithful in all that he's done. Man, I don't, I don't know if there's an answer to this. I don't think that mountain will ever move. The Lord is faithful in all that he does. See, and that orients me off of my present circumstance and just trying to endure and grind it out. It creates enough space for me to develop resiliency. Remember, resiliency is something that has to be developed in rest. We have to have some space to be secure and to recover. And there's an ability for us going through difficult things that are still yet unresolved. We can scratch out space to recover our persons 
when we focus on the right thing. I'm not focused on this moment, I'm focused on the promises of God. And it may not be something I'm experiencing in this moment, but God said that his promises are yes and they will come to pass. And it begins to create space for us to begin to become a little bit more, more resilient. So resilience is future forward in the way that we're looking and the things that we're gazing upon. And the first thing that I would remind you of is that we need to keep our eyes on God's promises. It's easier to do that if you know what they are. So spend time in his words, spend time in prayer, spend time with other believers who are mature and can speak those things into your life and contend with you to hold on to those. It'll be a helpful discipline for you. And as you continue to move through 2 Corinthians, and part of our action steps this week is just to suggest that you read that letter uh, kind of through the week. But as you move through it, Paul consistently kind of goes back to this idea of troubles and challenges and how he's going to face them and what he's going to do and, and what those things have brought about in shaping uh, his life. But he reminds them up front to keep their eyes on God's promises. And then as you get to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, as you get to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, he begins to draw our attention to some other things. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, as he's continuing to kind of build this out, he says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Heart, And then he moves on from there to begin to talk about what it would look like. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power from God is not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. When Pastor Tom uh, was speaking earlier in this series, he touched on this verse. He touched on this verse when he talked about being able to rest in the sovereignty of God and be able to, to begin to pray in, with that regard in mind, that though you're pressed, you're not crushed. Though you're persecuted, you haven't been cast off. That there is something about the way that God preserves us in the midst of difficulty because we know that we can trust him and he is in control over those things. It's a great reminder there. But as Paul moves into that assertion, the earlier verse, the therefore, statement is this, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. And so as he moves into talking about being pressed but not crushed and seeing the deliverance of God, it's not just a statement of sovereignty or a statement of answered prayer. It's a statement that he makes with certainty because he knew that his life had a plan and a purpose for it. That statement there where he says we have this ministry so we do not lose heart. We continue, we persevere, we endure, we're resilient. Why? Because I'm on mission. I'm on mission. And most of the time when we think about a church context, we think of the capital M mission, the big mission of the church. We think about the Great Commission in Matthew 28 to go and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We think about teaching. We think about uh, uh, bringing people to faith in Christ. We think about discipling. And all of that is a part of your life. Did you know that? That if you're a Christ follower, you are on capital M mission. Everywhere you go, you should be the light and the salt of the good news of Jesus Christ. But there's also a little in mission. It's the way that God designed you uniquely. It's the plan and the purpose that he has for your life. 
because you and I can't go about doing all of the same things in all of the same roles and all of the same assignments and all of the same ways. We have a big M mission that we should all be about, but we get to be about it in our little M selves, the way that God has designed us. There's a reason why every week when we talk about connection cards, we invite you to step into discovering the plan and the purpose that God has uniquely for your life to participate in kingdom things. It's because of this. Because if you know who you are and what God is inviting you into, you will not only be able to endure and persevere, you'll be resilient. At the end of it, you'll still have your personhood. You'll still have your identity. You'll know who you are and you'll be able to continue and to continue. Paul didn't just endure something difficult and then be like, oh man, that was hard, and then dip out. He spent 30 years of over and over and over enduring incredible hardships, things that you and I can read about but can't actually imagine, and he was able to do those to the degree that at the end of his life, he was still his whole person charging hard for the things of God with no regrets. How? He was on mission, and he didn't get lost comparing himself to others. He didn't try to be Peter or James. He knew who he was and what God had called him to do, and he did it in any and every way, which means that there were times where he was being sustained in his ministry by churches who were giving towards him, and there were times where he spent seasons of of being a tent maker and raising his own money for missions. He did anything and everything, and in his own words, he would say, I became all things to all men so that by all ways I might win a few. He knew who he was. He knew the mission that he was being called to. I would encourage you to begin to interact with the Lord about who you are. Who who you are. There's things that are general statements about you as a believer. There are things that are true about you in Christ that are unique and speak to your identity. And then there are parts of you, there are things about you that are wildly unique and fascinatingly creative that the creator of the universe input into you, imparted to you, entrusted you with, gave you stewardship over so that you would be that unique piece and expression of the hands and feet of Jesus in a broken world, reaching and touching people no one else could or no one else could see because of the way that he's designed you. Paul knew that, and he didn't get confused, and he actually called other church leaders out of their own confusion to remind them of who they were and their assignments. And so it is such a helpful thing for you and I as well. Begin to do that in a process of prayer. You can maybe enter into a process of growing and being discipled in our church family, but take intentional steps to know who you are because you were created to do more than just kick rocks and pay bills. There's a plan and a purpose for your life that should impact eternity. And that's the next thing that Paul draws our attention to. His future forward resilience was something. His eyes were on the promises of God, even the ones that hadn't come to pass. And his eyes were on a mission that was never going to be finished. And then when you move over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 to verses 16 to 18, he uses this phrase again, therefore we do not lose heart. He used that phrase over and over in this letter. We don't grow weary, we don't give up, we do not lose heart, we're not lost, we're not abandoned, we're like, we, we haven't lost who we are. We're focused on the promises of God, we're focused on the mission, but then look at this, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed 
day by day. When I was younger, I used to think of this wholly in spiritual terms, right? Because in my youth, I, was, uh, uh, I had much more energy and uh, was able to do much more. So this idea of wasting away outwardly and inwardly, I thought of it as kind of like the practical and the spiritual, or I thought of it as like the flesh and the spirit. And now I realize that outwardly wasting away means that I pull a muscle when I try to tie my shoes, right? Or I'm out of breath when I walk up the stairs. Some of you are laughing because you're living that life with me. Those of you who are laughing like, yeah, that'll be the day, just keep living, and that'll be your story too. But there's a reality there's a reality to getting older that you are reminded that life is temporary. It, it draws you to the things that are eternal, the things that are going to last. And uh, the, the older I get and the longer I sit with those who would be sages before me, the more the conversations have to be about things that really matter and less about the things that are temporary and fleeting and passing. And Paul draws our attention to that. And then he, he, he juxtaposes that idea next to troubles. For our light and momentary troubles. What? Like I remember the list. His list was not light and momentary, but that was the way that he regarded those things. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Future forward gaze. That, that ability to look forward with a resiliency that's being built into us. Paul, in this letter, we see, just was able to keep his eyes on the promises of God. He was able to keep his eyes on the plan and purpose that God has for his life. But he also, he kept his eyes on eternity. He kept his eyes on eternity. And oftentimes, our gaze is drawn back to our immediate circumstances. And we get stuck. We get stuck with our schedule, our responsibilities. We get stuck with our finances. We get stuck with our aches and our pains and our hurts and our hangups. All of those things have a tendency to draw us to such a temporal moment uh, that, that when we wait against the timeline of the eternity that you have in Christ is really not anything to even be regarded. But when we lose sight of that, we can get overwhelmed and swallowed up by all of those things. But Paul would constantly encourage the church and his own person, lift his eyes up and be thinking about eternity. Thinking about eternity. Thinking about eternity. And so to be future forward in our thinking, to be resilient in this way, to be able to endure challenges and hardships and be not only uh, uh, who you are, but the fullest expression of the man of God or the woman of God that you were created to be, to be at the end of your life an even better representation of that than the times where things were easy. To be able to get to that place, we've gotta be resilient in the way that Paul demonstrates that. And where we focus our attention is helpful in setting that course. Church family, if you would stand, we're going to take a few moments to allow the Spirit of the Lord to draw us to a place of response. I'm going to pray over you today. The worship team is going to come forward in this space. But just as a beginning point for inquiry, just for you to think and be introspective for a moment, when we're talking about keeping our eyes on God's promises or keeping our eyes on God's plans and purposes for our life, keeping our eyes on eternity and keeping that out in front of us. A good question for you and I to start with would be to consider where we're focused. 
What are you, what are you fixing your eyes on? Even today, you know, we spoke about and we sang about God's ability to move mountains out of our lives. Are you focused on a mountain? Are you focused on a problem? Are you focused on yourself as the solution for the difficulties that you're facing? Are you focused on kind of a a decision? Are you focused on your finances? Are you focused on challenges? Maybe you're very driven and you're focused on your goals. Those things can all be healthy and they can all be helpful when they're done in the right way. When they're focused on at intervals, but when they don't become the fixation of the way that we live our lives, we need to fix our eyes on what is eternal. We need to fix our eyes on the promises of God. We need to fix our eyes in discovering and discerning the plan and the purpose that he has for our life. We need to fix our eyes on the things that are really and truly going to last. And it's in that place and it's in that discipline that we can go through incredible trials and difficulties and on the other side uh, refer to them as kind of light and trivial. Because we're still whole and healthy on the other side. We've retained our, our whole self in Christ. We're walking in the fullness of what it looks like to experience His work and His Spirit in our lives. What, what is your attention on? Are the things that you're focused on, are the things that you're fixated on, are the things that you're giving the whole of your attention, are they contributing to your resiliency? Lord, we ask that today that you would draw our, our eyes back up off of the things that are so temporary that we get bogged down in. Lord, many of those things are good and well-meaning. But those are things that we should have our eyes on and pay attention to. Some of those things are unhealthy. They're distractions. They're fed by fear or anxiety. Lord, but in any case, a place where we have focused our attention to the place that we're fixated there and we lose sight of your promises, lose sight of your plan and your purpose and design for our life. We lose sight of eternity, Lord. It's in that place that we begin to waste away. It's in that place where our resiliency wanes. And so, Lord, draw our eyes back up. Fix our eyes on your promises this week. Remind us of your plan and purpose. And, Lord, if there's a a need to discover that, would you move my friends to take the first step in doing so, to begin to ask that question about your plan and purpose and to take steps towards that design. And, Lord, help us to not lose sight of eternity. Lord, that we would keep our eyes on that eternal prize and that in that place, we would invite others to that good news. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A few action steps for you this week. You can snap a picture of these with your smartphone or tablet or catch these on Facebook later on this week. Number one, I would encourage you just to read through Paul's second letter to Corinth. Um, It would just be a good uh, discovery process for you. Number two, remind yourself of God's promises. You might need to spend some time in God's word or in prayer to be reminded of those or discover those, but begin to do that. And then number three, keep eternity in sight. Keep your eyes up and out on the promises that God has.